Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where I'm your wife. You're my wife. Hello, everybody. I have my wife. I'm Void. and I'm here with my wife today um, because BJ is gone. He drove into a hurricane recovery area for his vacation because he decided to do that. I think it involved a giant mouse. We'll find out next week. I'm sure. And, you know, I have uh, stable podcasters and other people on the network and I wanted my first guest host because it, it was inevitable. There's going to be some week where I'm gone because stuff comes up. This is the week where BJ's gone because stuff came up and we didn't have a chance to record ahead of time. Um, I wanted my first guest host to be my wife because the podcast is all about geeking out about things that we're passionate about. And I want to get more on the show than just the, you know, I, I like the core of what we talk about. I like video games. I like movies. I like books, like all the stuff we normally talk about. But my wife is an avid knitter. And it's interesting. It's super interesting to me, even though I don't knit. I see it all the time because you're constantly making projects around me. So I wanted to get you on here to talk about knitting. And do you want to just start with like where you started with knitting, how you got started? I was in seventh grade, so about 13, 14 years old. And my grandma taught me. Um, I started really, really simple with a scarf and then I think the next night I did a hat so there's a couple basic techniques that I learned and then I just kept that skill set for a really long time and the thing that I've learned most from developing as a knitter is the patience that it takes is outstanding and I did not have that patience until I became a parent so when my second child was born I got a lot more patient and I decided to branch out and that's when I started making more complex projects and started learning new skills and it kind of went from being a project knitter into being a process knitter. Like just knitting for the sake of knitting? Knitting for the sake of knitting, knitting to learn new skills, knitting to work with different fibers or different stitches and all of the things that are possible with knitting, but not necessarily wanting to have a finished item to wear myself or to give away. I just want to make it for the sake of making it. Well, I mean, I know that you're like an instant gratification person in a lot of areas, but I am very instant gratification. And the fact that I adore knitting so much shocks me every time I think I started a diet yesterday. Why haven't I already lost five pounds? Like I'm so instant gratification. And the smallest project that I make is either a washcloth or a baby hat, like a newborn size baby hat, smallest, smallest things. And it still takes me about four to six hours so the fact that I can drive to Target and buy a washcloth or even a set of six washcloths in about 20 minutes and I will choose to make them either for myself or to give away because I get to pick the pattern, I get to pick the colors, I get to pick uh, the color combinations and I feel like the effort that goes into a knitted gift is appreciated a lot more, but at the same time, the one hang-up I have about giving knitted gifts is that it's so cherished that it never gets used. So I always make sure to tell the giftee, I, I want you to use this, I want you to wash it, I 
don't want it to just sit in a cedar chest for the rest of your life. Like I made it for you to use it. And if anything ever happens like structurally, like if it comes apart, don't worry about it. Like either I can fix it or, you know, then you had it for that amount of time and you got, you know, some real love out of it because I, I knit with love. Well, and you make a lot for other people too. Like a lot of your knitting is for people that aren't you or the kids. Like it's the, the last thing that you finished was a set for a friend that's having a baby soon. And it was like a full set. It's really cool. I, I loved the end result. But you do stuff like that all the time. I did just finish that set and it's a blanket, a onesie, a few hats and a stuffed cat. And I made that whole set specifically because this particular friend is an avid crafter and she knows that I knit with love and I'm expecting her to use all of these items for her baby. And I'm really excited to actually give this set to her because we keep playing phone tag and I'm, and I haven't sent her any pictures because I'm, I really give a lot of sneak peeks and I'll send like, I'll send the colors. Like, she doesn't even know what colors I picked. So I'm really excited to have her see everything finished and and to actually see the baby in it. That's my favorite part about gifting things is to actually see the person using the item and loving the item. But you don't just knit for others either. I mean, you knit for our kids. You knit for yourself. You knit a variety of projects. And like you said, you started out with, like, hats and scarves and washcloths. But these days you're doing sweaters and you've done like really intricate lace shawls and stuff like that like how do you figure out what your next project is going to be or what you want to be working on because you also always have like multiple projects going all at the same time I always have multiple projects going because my attitude toward knitting is a day-to-day variant so I always have a small project a medium project and a large project my large projects stay at home And my small projects are very uh, portable. So I have one of them in a little drawstring project bag. And if we're going somewhere or if I'm going to be sitting at the DMV for 20 minutes or I think we just got the tires changed on the car. So I took my knitting with me and I can just sit and, and tinker away. And a lot of my easier projects are small projects because I can memorize a pattern and and just take it with me and just have something to do because I'm I'm a fidgeter. I have to have something to do with my hands and I think knitting was a really good fit there. Well, and like you you're constantly knitting like at night once we get the kids down, you're always knitting when you're watching TV unless it's like a show that it's it's serious and it's the first time we're watching it like Game of Thrones or something like that. But most of the time you're knitting while you're watching something and kind of listening to something else while you're doing something with your hands. Well, I always like to enjoy a show for the first time like if we're watching Game of Thrones or Silicon Valley or something together. I like to have that time just focusing on this like whatever we're doing. Yeah, yeah whatever yeah. we're doing together, but When I'm having my own leisure time, I'll always be knitting and then I might need something in my ear, either a podcast or uh, I only do books on tape. I actually don't do like a page turning book because I'd rather be knitting and I don't want to just be watching reality TV. I'd rather be knitting. So I'll always be knitting and and something and something else. Yeah. Yeah, I the only I have not figured out how to cook and knit. So I'd rather be knitting, but a girl's got to eat. 
So <laughs> sometimes I do have to take a break and and cook a bit. But knitting is also a real this is a good diet tip I'll have for your listeners. I don't know how many of them. They're out there. They listen. They're out there. Okay. So you should take up knitting if you want to avoid sitting down with a bowl of potato chips, because if you are focusing on something with your hands, you're not eating potato chips. So there you go. That's one tip my grandma actually taught me. She that's, said she really funny. she picks up her knitting a lot uh, when she is about to go to Florida because she won't eat the she and she doesn't want greasy fingers on her <laughs> on her yarn either. So. Well, and like one of the things too about always like doing something else while you're knitting, it's always interesting for me to kind of like peek over your shoulder and see what you're watching because a lot of the time you have to coordinate like the show that you're watching with the level of complexity of what you're knitting because when you have a pattern that you just have memorized, you don't even look at your hands. But when you do the complex stuff, you're barely watching what you're watching. Yeah, I'm definitely a person that likes to rewatch things. I've watched the entire series of Grey's Anatomy, West Wing. I have really trashy reality TV from all over that. I mean, you don't need to be watching this. Um, you just need to be listening to it. So I'll I'll stick in a headphone. You know what I cannot watch is anything with subtitles because I'm not looking at the screen. I'm only listening and... You know what I really focused on was Euro Dreams of Sushi. That was really the last thing that I I can't knit during this because it's all in Japanese and I really wanted to watch it. It was very highly recommended to me. So I had to put the knitting down and then I had to have sushi that night. Yeah. And I knit before and after the sushi. <laughs> well, and it, like also at this point, what are your favorite things to knit? Because you've tried so many things. Or does it, is is it the variety? Like what, what is it? For me, it's the variety. I am more of a process knitter. So there, okay. So let me explain. There's project knitters that want to knit a sweater so they can wear a sweater. And that'll be their one sweater that they wear every single day. And then there's process knitters where they want to knit something because it looks really cool and they want to have the experience of having knit that item. And I am way more of a process knitter. Um, I'll see a project either on a popular knitting website or I'll walking around or somebody will post it on the knitting subreddit and I'll say, I need to make that just to say that I've made it. I actually saw one this morning and it's called a swancho. Okay. It's a half sweater, half poncho. It's basically a poncho with sleeves. It's called a swancho. And I saw it and it had... It's, it's pretty plain, but just the shape. I haven't seen anything like it in stores. I you know, And who doesn't love a poncho? But you can't move your arms. You can't drive while you're wearing a poncho because your arms are trapped. Like you want to make it, but you don't want to own it. Yeah, like I want to make one and then just have it in the closet. And maybe there'll be one day where it's, I really want to wear a poncho, but I need to have my arms free. Oh, right. I have a swancho. It's also like interesting watching you pair your like yarn with the projects because at this point you have a giant yarn stash in our closet i do i have enough yarn to knit steadily for about five years and i did spend a short amount of time probably four to six months working in a local yarn shop and that time i learned so much about the different fibers and what they can do and how they act and how to pair them and how 
to just work with them to to really bring out their potential. So when I am trying to match a project with a yarn, oh, I, I, I take my time. I really do my research. I like to see what other people have made with a specific yarn. I And I, I'm really a yarn snob. That's another thing that I picked up from working at a yarn shop that I don't want to knit with acrylic unless I am trying to make it look bad. Okay, so something that people might be interested in that like I know because I'm around you and we've talked about it, but like the different types of yarn and you don't necessarily need to get into like Oh, nitty. the different type. I like, could get into the nitty. The nitty gritty. Yeah, I know. But pun, like, pun intended. The but like, nitty what would gritty. some high level differences be? Like, what's a good quality yarn versus like the worst? Like, what what are you even looking at from a higher level? Because it's this kind of thing that from the outside, if you've never knit and you've never been around a knitter, you might not even know as a thing. Like, you just think, oh, yarn, it's at Michael's. But like, I know now because I've, you know, been around you so long. Like, that is that is beginner yarn. That is acrylic, which is like... This is where you start most of the time, but that's not what you use. And that's not what like a yarn shop carries for the most part. I'm not saying that I don't shop at Michael's or Joann's anymore because I definitely do. The higher end or designer yarns that a yarn shop might carry have such a higher variety of colors and uh, the weights or sizes of the yarn and so it's like that's like how thick it is yeah like yeah. How, how thick it is or what you know or what projects they would recommend for it it just depends on what you're looking for or what your skill level is because i'm not about to teach somebody on a single ply lycaster wool that's yeah. a, well you know i get there's well they know. they come in different blends they come from different types of sheep they come from different areas of the country or the world um it's all of that kind of stuff goes into different yarns, which I never really knew. And they come from, you know, different companies that dye them in different ways or provide different, like there's just so much variety in it that it can be almost overwhelming. And it's not, like I said, we don't need to get into the nitty gritty, but it's, it's worth mentioning that if all you've ever seen is kind of like the acrylic stuff at Michael's, like there's a whole other world there that might just be totally hidden from you. Yeah. If you have, if you've wandered through Michael's or Joann's and you say, Oh, I, I like the look of some of this. I'd really like to see what I can make with it. I think one of my, my mind is completely blown was walking into a yarn shop for the first time because Oh my gosh, it was so overwhelming. I think the first time I walked in there, I didn't have a plan. I just wanted to go and see what it was all about. And I spent two hours just looking around and and touching because I'm very tactile. And the colors were amazing. They had floor-to-ceiling shelving just packed with fiber. And the possibilities are endless when you're shopping for a project. And at this point with like all of the knowledge that you've gained from, like, I mean, not just yarn, but like just all the experience, like what are your favorite things to knit? And like, I mean, what are your least favorite things to knit? Like, I know you've never made a sock. It just as an example, because <gasps> I see the projects you do. That's right. I've never made a sock. I will never, I probably never make socks. I will never make mittens and I will never make a bottom up sweater. And it's all for the same reason. And that's called second sock syndrome where you make one thing and then you finish it and it's hundreds and hundreds of stitches on tiny, tiny needles. And then your pattern says, make the other sock. And I just, 
I can't. And a lot of people have second sock syndrome where they make the first sock or the first mitten or the first sleeve and they get to the end and then it's make the other sock and they just can't and they put it down and they might pick it up like a year or two later and then it's it looks completely different because you change as you as you knit over time you'll your gauge will change and you'll hold the yarn differently and then your second sock looks nothing like your first sock and i'm just i can't handle the mental stress of making two of something i think the only thing i've made two of is a slipper on like super bulky yarn so it takes a day to make two slippers but that's it yeah and a, a lot of the things that you it, you don't make the exact same pattern with the yarn but you you'll do very similar things it's usually the faster things to knit like hats like you'll you can do a hat in a day if you dedicate to it like a baby hat things like that yes i can do a really fast hat and that i mean i'll make a bunch of baby hats one because it's the most instant gratification and then i can make them different i can do whatever i want with them i can stripe them or color block them or put whatever design i want into it because it's kind of i just have the pattern as a template and then i can insert my creativity at will yeah so if like the socks and the mittens and stuff like that are your least favorite and I know you said your most favorite is variety. So maybe the better question is like, what's the one piece you're most proud of and why? I have a couple pieces that I'm really proud of, all for different reasons. And it's going back to being a process knitter. I have a six foot scarf that's in the Norwegian stranded, like it's a color work. It's that classic red and white snowflake Norwegian style scarf. And it took me a month and I designed most of most of the charts that I used to make the scarf. I designed, I hand drew the snowflakes. I hand drew the most of the pictures that are in this. And it was definitely a labor of love. And that's one that I wear every single winter. It's super thick. It's super warm. It's actually one that I will buy a winter coat, but it has to match my scarf. Right. That that's, scarf is really cool. Yes, that scarf is... Yeah. In, in terms of, like, the design, like, you put a lot of effort into, like, customizing patterns and stuff, too. But in terms of, like, pure design that goes onto it, that's probably the most work you've ever done on a piece. Yes. Well, actually, the design-wise, because I have dabbled a bit in design, and one other piece that I was going to mention is this sweater that I saw it as a child's pattern... It's a child sweater, and I made one for each of our kids, and I wanted one, but it didn't come in an adult size. So I rearranged the pattern, and I picked a yarn, and this is, its a, I think another part of why this sweater is so special to me is I had been sitting on this yarn for so long. I bought it probably for my birthday, and it was beautiful. It was one of those really fancy wool blends that you mentioned that was hand dyed by this high-end company and that kind of yarn you just don't knit anything with it you have to, I, I say I have to wait to be inspired with the super special yarns that I have in my stash and when this idea came up of I'm gonna make this sweater custom to fit me specifically and nobody's made this pattern before I said that's the yarn I'm gonna use absolutely it's perfect and 
I love that sweater, and now I've made it twice in the adult size, and I wear it all the time in the fall. It's super comfy. Actually, I could put that on right now because I'm a little chilly. That one is interesting, too, because, like, it's not the only time you've redesigned a sweater for fit. That was probably the most intense one that you've done. But you usually don't make a sweater once. You usually make it about three times because you want it to be, like, perfect and fit right and look right and everything. Like, you get 90% of the way there, 80% of the way there, and then you take it down to almost nothing often. Like, why? That's a big question, isn't it? It is a big question. I know. I saw you hesitate. It is. Um... Why would you make a sweater just to rip it apart? Well, if I if I spend a month making a thing, it's got to be really good. It's got to be exactly what I want. And so someti- why not spend 2 months making it? Right. So if it ends up not being something cuz I ha- I have a vision in my head. I have I want it to fit like this. I want it to feel like this. I want it to hit, you know, my my hips at at this level exactly. And when I finish it and it doesn't, well, it's it's only my fault because I'm the one that made it. It's not the yarn's fault. So, I can't get mad at the yarn. I can only just try again. You you and I don't want to just put it aside and have it sit there forever, not ever being worn. I mean, I said I, I, it's a labor of love. I want it to be worn. I want it to be loved. I want it to be washed. And and that goes for anything that I make for myself. And if it's not going to be perfect, I'm not going to make it. And I've had a couple where I can make the whole thing and then it's not perfect. So I rip it out and immediately make it again. And then I've had a couple where... I'll make it and it's not perfect and I just can't redo it. Second sweater syndrome maybe, but it's the same sweater. It's just in the end, I always want to finish the project and I will. There's only one exception and it was that blue sweater. I don't know if you remember that blue sweater. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And I knit it twice. First time it was not perfect. So I ripped it out and did it again and I think a couple factors went into it. I was trying to really customize it to fit me and it just was not working out. And it was a really nice color and it was my favorite yarn. It's Madeline Tosh Vintage and it was beautiful. It's beautiful yarn. So the third time I knit this sweater and it wasn't perfect, I think I just threw it in the closet and it's in a timeout. Sometimes you put them in timeouts. It's not the only project that you've done that with. No, I probably have a couple projects in timeout right now. And maybe I'd lost interest or maybe I just didn't like the way the yarn felt. But yeah, that blue sweater is still in timeout in the closet. And I have since used the remainder of that yarn up on a different project. So I think I've really shut the door on the blue sweater. Yeah. And well, some of your projects sit for a long time and you come back to them. But that's probably why you have a variety going too. So you always have options. Always have options. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I think the last thing that would probably be really useful for like listeners of this show is if any of this sounds interesting or like if you've never knit before and you wanted to get started, like how would you even start as someone coming from the outside and not having necessarily someone in your life that knits? Like where's a good place to get started? How do you get into it for cheap? Like what's, what's a first step that someone could take? If you don't have a close friend that knits that is willing to teach you, I would look for a local yarn store because a lot of them will offer classes. And if you learn in a small group and you have a supportive community around you, you're more likely to 
keep up with it because I've met some really dear friends of mine from my local yarn shop and they and we have a weekly knitting group and it's a great place to get this sense of community and you really bond um, with fellow crafters and I think that would ring true for any type of needle craft Um, find a local shop and ask because I've never met a really mean knitter before they're all really friendly i mean they'll our motto is knit fast die warm <laughs> i like that yeah. so any any final knitting thoughts before we move on knit fast die warm and i'm open for commissions until the end of this year <laughs> there you go <laughs> um okay let's dive into our geeky offer of the week so if you guys don't know by now you can go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geek cast and get a free audible book audiobook from audible and it helps the podcast, and you get a free one, and everybody wins. And I'm going to let you recommend one this week, because you do listen to Audible, not quite as much as me, but do you have something to recommend? You know, I just started to re-listen to The Martian. That's a great On book. Audible, and I would not have ever listened to that book if it weren't for Audible, because I'm not going to put down my knitting to actually read a book. Was that one that I started reading to you out loud, and then you got interested and you finished it on Audible? I think you were listening to it on Audible because the narrator is one of those narrators. Really good. So good. I don't have his name like in the, on the top of my head, but he does. So there's one super main character, Mark Watney. I'm sure everybody's seen the movie, but he's stuck on Mars and he's got the team at home trying to bring him back, bring him back, help yeah. him survive and then bring him back. And those characters don't get a whole lot of, I guess, in a book, but the screen time in the book compared to Mark Watney, but they still have so much personality and so much character to them, the way that this narrator tells the story. And even though there's, I mean, there's so much math, obviously there's so much math, so much translation, so much problem solving that I probably wouldn't be interested in actually reading, but the way that it's narrated so so good so good well and that's one that i've read it and i've listened to it and i've watched the movie and it's one of the examples one of the best examples i can point to where every one of those has a distinct feel to it and they're all different and they're all valid they're all good but i think of the three audible like listening to that one might be my favorite way to experience the martian every time i watch the movie it makes me want to listen to the book which says a lot. About, Which says a lot yeah. because some people will just say, yep, I saw Matt Damon. That's fine. But no, it actually wants I, I want to go back and listen to it again. Right. Because it's, there's it goes so much more in depth and it's it has a lot more laughter in the book. I think I laugh a lot when I listen to the book because uh, Mark Watney's so funny. Yeah, it's really good. So you guys, if you want to check that out or literally any other book on Audible, you can get a free book on us and help the podcast, audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast And with that, it's time for our weekly geekery where we talk about what we've been geeking out about this week. And usually I let the other person go first. So I know that this week you started crocheting, which kind of ties into our main topic because you have been knitting for a long time and you haven't ever crocheted until this week. I have been knitting for 18 years, and I will be honest with you, I have looked down my nose at, uh, we call them hookers. Because of the crochet hook? Because of the crochet hook, not because of any other reason, but it's, uh, I don't know, there's, I mean, there's not a stigma, it's... It's another, it's another needle craft, it's another fiber craft, and I have nothing 
actually against crocheters or crochet hooks or anything like that. I just never picked it up. I learned to knit first. So that's what I did. And I never had to crochet anything except when I'm finishing up this set for my friend's baby and I really wanted to put a giant flower on one of these hats, you know, just one of those obscene, bigger than the baby's head flowers. And I could not find a knit pattern that I liked any more than the crochet ones. And I just picked up my crochet hook that I have for other reasons, for knitting reasons, and I made a flower. And I thought, hmm, uh, that was actually kind of easy. Maybe I can make a hat. And so I've been crocheting baby hats for the last few days. And it's really cool because I'm a process knitter, so now I'm also a process crocheter. I want to learn the different stitches, and I don't know what any of the abbreviations mean, so I'm kind of in new territory, and it's... Because I've I've basically learned all of the different types of knitting. I'm not finished knitting, but if I was going to branch out, there's nothing for me to do next. Like, your baseline's pretty much complete. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would consider myself an expert knitter, so now I'm also... A beginner crocheter. It's kind of like a level 10 wizard and a level 2 rogue. There you go. Nice. Yeah. like that. Relating to the audience. Um, (laughs) I try my best, Floyd. So the other thing for your weekly geekery, I know I didn't prep you for it, but I see what you watch when you're knitting. And a lot of it is just kind of, like you said, it's, it's bad reality TV that's, you know, good for what it's good for. But... We finished Game of Thrones together recently, season seven, and it's like the one of the shows that you and I always watch together, like Game of Thrones and Westworld, and there's a couple others that you and I always like stop doing the multitasking and actually like watch together. So I was curious because we finished that and then you rewatched the entire series, season one through seven, while you were knitting over the course of like oh two weeks, a week and a half, something like that. Do you have any thoughts about Game of Thrones as a full series? Because I haven't done that yet. I've never, like, rewatched it from the beginning. This was a serious case of binge watching. I probably watched all seven seasons over the course of nine days. And I would not recommend this because all I dreamt was Game of Thrones. And I really, at the end, I really needed to turn it off at about 8 p.m. and watch something that didn't mean anything because then I wouldn't dream about going north of the wall every single night. It's cold up there, you guys. And get a little Parks and Rec in there before bed. I know. I I really did. I had to watch a little Parks, like one or two episodes of Parks and Rec before I went to bed every night because it was just Game of Thrones overload. Uh, But I still really like the series. I would probably watch it again. I'm kind of, you know what happened? I got desensitized because I've watched, I could just watch The Red Wedding and not have a visceral reaction. That's interesting. Still did not like to watch um, Oberyn Martell get his head smashed. I, I bet. I did, I did just take out the headphone because I'm watching all this with headphones in so I can just listen to it and hear the dialogue really well. And yeah, I don't like watching people get like really murdery murdered. So yeah, yeah. Sometimes I would take out the headphones, but yeah, I, I would say desensitized to the really graphic stuff a little bit 
more than I was the first time around. And how are you feeling? I guess I'm wondering, like, how are you feeling now about season eight compared to, like, I just watched season seven, so I know how I feel going into the next one. But, like, how do you feel now with the full context again for the series? Are you still as excited as, like, right when we finished this last season? I'm really excited because I know that this is the last, it's the last season. So I really want to know what they're going to do with it. I want to know how everybody's going to get wrapped up and what's going to happen. And, and I have some really strong feelings about one or two things and if I don't get my way I might get a little bit upset but I can't see another way that they will do it my fan theory is that Arya will take Littlefinger's face that would be cool and I would like that he would use that and she would use his face to get at the Lannisters somehow because I think Littlefinger can go wherever he wants and no one knows that he's dead except for the North well, the North, but the North doesn't care about the Lannisters. True. So I'm really thinking that maybe, maybe Cersei. Cool. Well, maybe. I'm, gl- I'm glad you're still like excited about it after rewatching the whole thing. That's a good sign mm-hmm. for sure. Okay. So for my week of geekery, I've mostly been playing Destiny 2 and I, I, Beej and I will talk about a bunch of video games and stuff next week. I promise. Instead for you, since you don't play games the same way that I do, I thought I would bring a couple games that I've played this year that I know you've kind of half watched me play. Because, and I mentioned this on the podcast before, usually at night, once we get the kids down, you sit with your knitting, you have like one headphone in and you're listening to something. And I sit and play a game with one headphone in listening to a podcast. And that way we both have one ear out so that you and I kind of just chat all night off and on. Like that's kind of our our nighttime routine. But because of that, I kind of half see the shows you're watching and you kind of half see the games I'm playing. So I wanted to know if you remember these at all and like what your opinions of them were and what your memories were, because I thought that could be kind of interesting. What do you think? Okay, right off the bat, you know I have a problem with Destiny 2. A person has one destiny. If you've reached that destiny, you don't need a second destiny. You need to call that game something else. It's like, do you... Okay, so my legit question is, at the end of Destiny 1, which I'm assuming is just called Destiny... It is, you're correct. Do you die at the end? Well, you die a lot, but you're always resurrected almost instantly. Well, right. Like, I mean, you go back to the graveyard and you start again, right? So, yeah. but you don't, your character doesn't actually perish There's forever. No, at no the permadeath, end. no. Right. So what are you doing with a second destiny? You've got the one and you're good. Like, that's the track you're on. So it should be, sorry about the first destiny, redo, or destiny... Comma, still. Comma, still. Yeah. There you go. Destiny, comma... <laughs> It's just, I don't... Straight up with the title. Okay. Yeah. So I want to go back a little bit earlier in the year. Hitman. You watched me play a bunch of Hitman, and you actually seemed interested in that one. Is that the problem solving assassin one? Yes, exactly. Where you're Agent 47, the bald guy, and there's a lot of murder, but it's a lot of like kind of puzzle solving and systems and stuff. I loved watching you play this game because I think if you were born a darker human being you could make a really good serial killer and i say that (laughs) i mean it as a compliment i have not found a way to phrase this so you take it as a compliment but to be a hitman you have to be so cold and calculating and it's not that you're cold it's that you could be a really good assassin it's like how Arya stark is a really good assassin you know like she's loyal to her family she's Maybe a little hot-headed, but, you know, I mean, she gets her business done. 
when she wants to. So yeah, I really liked watching you play Hitman and figure out all of the little intricacies to solving your problems. <laughs> solving the problems of Sol- killing people. Well, yeah, it's a it's a it's a murder puzzle. And, it is. And you were really good at the murder puzzles. Well, thank you. I like that game. It was fun. It was a fun systems game. How about Persona 5? Do you remember which one this is? Is this the one with the cartoon night that's actually daytime? And then they all ride on a subway train and that's the transition screen? Yes. Yes, it's the Japanese high school kids. And there's like an alternate world, which is probably what you're thinking of, where they like put on masks and they have personas. I don't remember any of the alternate world with the masking stuff. I remember watching you walk around streets, city streets, listening in on other people's conversations, and then trying your hand at maybe being a waiter a couple times. Yeah, yeah, there's part-time jobs, yep. Yeah, so you had a few part-time jobs, and it brought me back to the days where I played Fable 2. That's... That's only, one of the only games That's one played. of the only video games that I've actually played to completion, and yeah. I had a few part-time jobs in there. So, I mean, did you try any blacksmithing or wood chopping? Because I'm pretty good at that. Not in Persona 5, no. Okay. But you did help me one time with, because you have a much better memory than I for, like, straight-up memorization. Do you remember that? Well, yeah, because you were a server. Yeah. And you had to memorize all these people's orders, and I used to do that for a living, so... So I was just like, can you remember these orders for me? And you were like, yeah. Yeah, and I and I quick did. And, and then you got a perfect score for my you, character. You got a perfect score. Well, thank you. Because of you. I yeah. give you the credit. <laughs> um, okay, so something more recent, because I've been playing it, and now our kids are playing it. Mario plus Rabid Kingdom Battle. How do you feel about... Do you, what do you even think about that game? I can't even... With with what? With the rabbits or with Mario or all of it? So you're saying rabbits like it has a D in it? It does. Okay, so I, ju- I just don't get it. If something has rabies, you just got to put it down. <laughs> I, 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 ju- I just can't. What are they doing there? Are they wearing skins? Are they just dressed up? Like Mario knows that they're not like Luigi and Toad and Peach. Yeah, they know. Like, just go home, Mario. You're better off without these things. It's okay. It's a very loose premise to that game. I don't accept the premise. Okay, that's your problem with it? Or is your problem just the rabbits in general? Both. Okay. And then super recent, how about Destiny 2? Even though I know you hate the name, but it's what I've been playing for the last like week and a half. A lot of shooting aliens. I have to tell you, the last several days, I've been so focused on watching my crochet that I'm not even paying attention to Destiny 2. I think I put it to the side when I didn't agree with the name. I think it's a really, really bad name for a game. And the loading screen is a fidget spinner. So I think it's trying to be too trendy. And I've I've been so focused on getting this crochet right because you know I started crocheting that hat and then I ripped it out four times. and And I did it. I think the fifth hat I made was the one I ended up keeping. And then I started making another one like right away just to practice. Would you feel better if it was called Destiny with a two in the middle of it? At least you're trying to be clever with that. At least you're trying. At least you're trying. Yeah. Any other games in the last like year or year and a half that you remember anything of that me or the kids have played? It's just always so interesting to see like which which small detail of a game you latch on to or remember. I do like Overcooked. Okay, that's good. But only... The easy levels because I, okay, you guys, you have to understand that I did not grow up with video games. I don't have the controls, like the muscle memory for the controls. So I actually have to look at the controller sometimes 
to get my movements right. So the harder levels where all of these multi-directional movements are required, I just, I get really frustrated and I should really take a lesson from our daughter who's just, it's okay, mom, just try it again. Just try it again. And, you know, it's supposed to be relaxing this game. So the fact that there's two open food trucks moving, you know, together and apart, and I I just can't. So level one, like screen one, whatever. Yeah, one, level one dash one. One dash one, where I make an onion soup and everybody's having onion soup and I can get like a 300 that's that's my bread and butter right there. Nice. Anything else? Any other games you remember from last year? What's the one with they're really emo and one of them's a photographer and one of them is oh, an aspiring chef? Final Fantasy 15. They're driving around in a really nice car and it doesn't yep. seem like they have jobs, but there's monsters everywhere. Yes, you you got it. Yeah, it's the one with Ignis and he has a new recipe. Ignis? Yeah. Or Agnes. No, Ignis. Ignis, a la Ingus? Yes, exactly. Is that what we said? So every time he would he would eat fettuccine Alfredo and then say... Like in a restaurant. Yeah, in a restaurant. A chef would make it and then the server would bring it to him and he would eat it. And then he turned to his friends and say, hey guys, look, I've invented a new recipe. I'm calling it fettuccine Alfredo, a la Ingus. And, and he would say, I've discovered a new recipe. He didn't discover it. Somebody <laughs> already had the recipe. You know what he should have done is every time you kill a monster, a giant pterodactyl or a worm out of the ground, right? He should make a fire and cook it. And then that could be his new recipe. But he's... That r- does happen sometimes. He's ripping off chicken cacciatore. It's not fair. I don't believe it. <laughs> okay. What else did you think about that game? Or is that the only thing that you latched on to? They had really nice clothes. And I think... You kept your character in these super fancy shoes, not because they're practical, but because it gave you like the right amount of bonuses. Yep, it was stats. Yep. Yeah. So this these... that was that was new game plus when I had unlocked all of the like different armor and outfits from my first playthrough. So I had them all to access at the very beginning of the second game. So I put them in their end game uniform armor, which is like super fancy high end. And then I played through the entire game like that. And you, I remember you talking about the shoes. Yeah, he was wearing like polished wingtips yeah. and like splunking. Yes. Yeah, like in caves with this like totally impractical. Yeah. And then taking photos. That too, yes. And then in the middle of the woods, he would eat some chicken cacciatore that his friend invented. That was air quotes. They couldn't I... see that. I saw it. Oh, yeah. Well. You did your best. <laughs> okay. Anything else? Any other video game thoughts before we go? I mentioned a little bit ago that I did not grow up playing video games. And I know you did. Yeah. And now our kids are. Yep. And the fact that our daughter at five, six years old would sit and play a level of Mario Maker 50 times before she would get it right or finish the level. And that perseverance and that patience that it takes, I think helps them grow as people. I think that they'll have that now in their skill set and they'll develop that and have it for their whole life. I think playing video games as a kid can actually really help a person develop a certain set of skills. Yeah, no, it's not good for everything, but like that that in particular, we've already seen it carry over to like school and other places, which is super interesting. I remember her teacher at conferences talking about her patience or a specific thing that we equated to her video game playing and the teacher almost tried to laugh it off and you said, "No, we're serious." 
Yeah, like we, she, I mean, we were. Yeah, she plays video games, and that's why she's like this in school. Like, it, it can help. So it's been really fun watching them play video games and seeing what they like, because it's kind of their their first or second round picking games that they like. And, and I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah. And I I might, when we get to the end of the year episodes and we record a couple of them early and I have some extra time to edit them, I might try to get the kids on and tell me about their favorite game for the year. We'll see what ends up happening and if I can wrangle them or not. I think but they'd like that a lot. I think so too. Um, okay, that's about it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We have the longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. This is where BJ normally jumps in, but I'm going to do his part too. This feels weird. Um, we're part of a podcast network. If you don't know already, you can go to geek2geekcast.com and see any of the shows on the network. They're all great. You should check them all out. I'm a fan of them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on the network. Um, I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And you're not going to give out your Twitter. You're you're private on there. They don't need to know. I don't Twitter you don't really tweet anyway. Tweet? Yeah. I don't. No, I don't. You don't I'm, do that. I'd rather be knitting. There you go. Um, we've been Void and my wife. No, I'm going to do that part. Oh, you're okay. Go for it. We've been Void and your wife for the geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. My wife. everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we're the hosts of the podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture. We try to have a female perspective on things, but we really just talk about anything we like. What are some recent topics we've done, Katie? Uh, well, we've talked about girl power songs, Wonder Woman, Veronica Mars, young adult fiction novels, San Diego Comic Con, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and start listening today.